Euronet Plus Panorama is a weekly review of European news broadcast by our network of EU radio stations. This week's European Parliament plenary session has been overshadowed by Qatargate, following a series of searches, arrests and corruption allegations that have shaken the EU legislative to its core. On Tuesday, the 13th of December, the plenary approved the removal of Greek S&D member Eva Kaili, one of the main suspects in the scandal, from her post as Parliament Vice President. And President Roberta Metsola has expressed frustration and anger at the revelations, promising to conduct an internal investigation. Metsola was expected to tell EU leaders, who have met in Brussels on the 15th and 16th of December, what she intends to do to improve the fight against corruption and the control of lobbyists. Unlike corporate lobbying, lobbying by third countries is not currently covered by transparency rules that require officials and staff to publicise these meetings. EPP member Julio Winkler tells Radio Romania that the promised internal investigation is only worthwhile if it goes far enough and deep enough. A decision was taken to have an internal investigation by the European Parliament. This internal investigation has its limits because it can only establish what happened, how exactly the rules were broken. But will this judicial investigation be extended? Will other people be involved? Which to me, now as we speak, seems quite likely. How exactly did these people come to exert their influence? What were the cover-ups? Because you can see that all this illegal action has taken place under the cloak of legality provided by certain civil associations, certain non-governmental organizations. What steps are to be taken? We have a transparency register in the European Parliament, which was set up some time ago. In that register, associations or civil organizations are registered. But do we understand how they are funded? Can we have new transparency rules? Can we extend these rules? All these things will be decided in the coming period. Back in June 2019, Commission President Ursula von der Leyen pledged to support the creation of an independent ethics body common to all the EU institutions. The Parliament adopted a resolution on the subject in 2021, but member states in the Council were lukewarm about the idea, not keen on having one body covering all three institutions. Many MEPs are now calling for a review of the Parliament's ethics rules and a resolution demanding increased transparency in the European institutions and the suspension of all work on legislative files relating to Qatar passed almost unanimously on Thursday. According to Quentin Dickinson, an EU observer who produces a weekly broadcast for Euronet Plus member station Urradio, this sorry affair could prove to be the most permanently damaging scandal for the European Parliament and the EU as a whole. The incident has really brought to light how much we have relied on politicians and their staff to do the right thing up till now. Asita Kanko, an MEP from Belgium's right-wing New Flemish Alliance, 
describes the extent of the potential for corruption in a conversation with RTBF. Many people try to approach us. I get invitations and emails from foreign embassies all the time and also from lobbyists based here in Brussels. But I have a rule. I don't meet with lobbyists. I think they usually target young MEPs, especially the new ones. They also accost you in the corridors of the parliament and they sometimes come knocking on your door. So I told my senior staffer, you don't take meetings with lobbyists. Voices from all parts of the political spectrum concur, including that of Manon Aubry, a member of left-wing populist party La France Insoumise. I could tell you about Russia, who, a few years ago, sent me a nice bottle of champagne that I publicly denounced. Strangely enough, I seem to have dropped off their list for small end-of-year gifts. Renew Europe MEP Nathalie Loiseau has an even more alarming example of coercion than being showered with champagne. And her example leads directly back to Doha. I was approached by pro-Qatar lobbyists more than a year ago, not to offer me money or luxury goods, but to threaten me, because more than a year ago, I, like others, was looking into the issue of foreign workers on the World Cup construction sites. And I received a very unpleasant message telling me that my questions and my areas of focus were harming relations with Qatar and that this would have consequences. The consequences that we are talking about it, you and I, today, on camera and into microphones. It's as if they have been hoisted by their own petard. A month-old email sent by Italian MEP Andrea Cozzolino has resurfaced over recent days and is causing quite a stir in the S&D group, of which he is a member. It seems that the MEP urged his colleagues in Italy's Democratic Party, prior to the 24th of November vote on Qatar, not to take a stand against the Arab nation and to go via FIFA instead. Despite the fact that Cozzolino did ultimately vote in favour of the November resolution, his email has attracted attention, primarily because Francesco Giorgi, Cozzolino's parliamentary assistant and Eva Kaili's partner, was arrested alongside Kaili and has reportedly admitted to corruption charges. Asked about this email by our colleague at Radio 24, fellow Democratic Party MEP Brando Benefei's discomfort could not be more apparent. He stresses that Cozzolino was right in saying that we must avoid pointing the finger at nation-states, but he underlines that their party still did not shy away from taking a stand against Qatar. This was an email sent by a colleague, which, as I said, was later negated by the way the Democratic Party voted. And, moreover, that colleague also voted for the resolution condemning Qatar, and that position of his is legitimate. As I said, there are always a range of positions. Today, of course, this is being given more attention because of the events that have come to light. But we must also avoid preventing parliamentarians from taking a position. The argument for taking it up with FIFA had merit, but we decided to take a different course of action. I don't want people getting the idea that anyone was really influenced. At least now the investigation will get to the bottom of things. But let's just say that in the vote, the political force I represent, unlike Forza Italia or certain other political parties, stood most firmly against Qatar.
politiche nel voto, la più dura contro il Qatar. However, Benny Fay adds that parliamentarians meet with representatives of national governments from all over the world and that, should Qatar ever have requested a meeting with him, he would have granted one. Another S&D member, Estonia's Sven Mixer, warns Kuku Radio that the dust is unlikely to settle on this scandal anytime soon. The European Parliament and the European institutions as a whole will probably have a lot of work to do to clean up their act again. Regrettably, such incidents do happen and they leave their mark for a while. One can also assume that if Qatar was looking to boost its image or promote some other agenda, it is unlikely that they put all their cards in the hands of one MEP or vice president. The press is already looking at British MPs who travelled at Qatar's expense and what they may have said or done for Qatar before and after. In the same way, the press has also begun to take a very close look at how other European institutions have behaved and what they have said about Qatar while representing Europe. Yet every scandal has a silver lining and certain member states are capitalising on the controversy while they can. Warsaw has invited Parliament President Roberta Metzola to attend the January meeting of the Polish Sejm's Committee for EU Affairs, Polsky Radio reports. With a certain element of glee, Kaspar Płaczynski, the committee chair, is stressing the need to strengthen the rule of law in the European Parliament. We have taken the liberty of inviting the President of the European Parliament and several NGOs to discuss these issues, including anti-corruption procedures, in detail. So that this doesn't end up being just another scandal that we simply regret and whine about. It should not be like that. We need specifics. We must strengthen the rule of law in the European Parliament itself. And then there's Hungary, of course. After Qatargate broke, PM Viktor Orban mocked the European Parliament on social media for being worried about corruption in Hungary, suggesting that people in glass houses shouldn't throw stones. Lithuanian EPP member Rasa Yuknevicienne politely suggests, during an interview with Zhinyu Radias, that Orban would be better keeping such thoughts to himself. Of course, in people's eyes, this scandal looks terrible, but I invite you to look at it differently. The institutions were able to trace this phenomenon, file charges, and arrest those who committed corrupt acts. It should be judged more favorably. It would be much worse if we didn't know anything about it. Corruption would spread further like a cancer and would be even more entrenched. Regarding Viktor Orban, he should watch his tongue. His own people were embroiled in a huge scandal a couple of years ago when their representative, a politician who has long championed family values, was caught fleeing a male orgy at the height of the pandemic. Orban needs to keep quiet about such things. Although the Lithuanian parliamentarian praises the institutions, the Brussels bodies have in fact been criticised for being clueless about the whole affair. It was the Belgian authorities that actually conducted the investigation. But back to Hungary, whose leader has been waging his own form of coercion on the EU. 
EU ambassadors on Monday gave the green light to Hungary's 5.8 billion euro post-COVID recovery plan, which represents the first ever decision on implementing the so-called conditionality mechanism. Although Orban will not receive his cheque overnight, and indeed not until he implements a series of reforms, Budapest agreed to lift its veto on two other issues in exchange for the release of funds, namely the 18 billion euro aid package for Ukraine and the 15% minimum tax on large multinationals. Yet 6.3 billion euros worth of cohesion funds earmarked for Hungary remain frozen owing to the state of the rule of law in the country. Since Orban is not averse to making use of his veto, this gives Budapest the power to scupper the union's common ambitions and to manipulate the bloc to its own benefit. Should we, therefore, be revisiting the issue of unanimous voting? Gini Uradias puts the question to Rasa Yuknevicienne. There remain a few areas where unanimity still exists. Remember that Lithuania's position has always been that if we get rid of it, the big powers will be able to dictate their terms to us small countries. But in reality, it's not like this. For example, when it comes to Ukraine's membership of the European Union, I cannot imagine this ever being achieved through a unanimous vote. So, that's a wrap for 2022. We'll be taking a bit of a break now. But we'll be back, refreshed and raring to go, a few weeks into 2023. On behalf of all of us here at Euronet Plus, I'd like to wish you happy holidays. Happy holidays.